Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Eve Gruben. We're talking about developing as an academic writer and Eve is coming particularly from the perspective of being a poet who then was writing in a more academic framework for her practice-based PhD. So we talk about that journey of development and we also talk about the elegance of footnotes. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Eve. Hello, hello. Uh, and congratulations, Dr. Eve Gruben. <laughs> Uh, when we first were in touch with each other, you was you would you'd submitted, but you hadn't been through the Viber. Um, and I was like, talk to me, talk to me. Um, you know, let's talk when when um when you're through. Because I thought that, that that's such a moment, isn't it, between those two things? And I, I thought it would be great to have that bit of the story too. Um I congrats- that, you, that you suggested that, that I had that. Uh, yeah, I thought maybe I could do it before the Viber, this interview, but um, I think I, I'm so glad we waited because this is, I feel much calmer now. Well, exactly. I think it's that thing, of it, isn't it? It's still not resolved at that moment. And um, and actually, I, you can tell the story from a from a, a, a different and more secure place, I feel, now. Um, yes, it wasn't resolved. It was like I was, um, I submitted it, which was such a big deal. Yes, yes. But it wasn't quite, it wasn't real yet somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but now it is. Hooray, hooray, hooray for that. Thank you. Um, so we are going to talk about you. It's all about you today and um, and your process um, and, and your journey through this through this PhD. Mm-hmm. So let's get let's get right into it and, and tell us a little bit about that journey into the PhD and through it and out the other side. OK, well, it kind of started in when I was living in New York. I'm from New York and um, I was working at the Poetry Society of America. I was the programs director and I was I was and am a poet writing poetry. And um, I was interested then in doing a Ph.D. I wanted to go into studying literature on, on a deeper level. Um, and I actually started a program at the Graduate Center at the City University of New York Um but then, and it was it was a great place to be because there were also lots of lots of people who had other work and other who were artists or writers and uh, maybe in tech and were pursuing an academic career or, or at least um, writing you know, wanting to write a doctoral thesis. But it's different in America because in America you um, have to take lots of courses. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, so you take courses and then you take a comprehensive exam. So I took a a written exam um, about a wide range of literature from um, you know, uh, medieval literature till to contemporary. Um, so it's a big exam that you study for. Yes. So I was I did all of that and it was actually really wonderful because you really, you know, you get a deep and wide education in all of in, in literature. But it's so different here because here you go in with your idea that you're going to write about, you know. Yes, yes. Um, so I didn't know anything about that. So I, I was doing that in America. And then I moved to, to London in the middle of all that um, and kind of just stopped the PhD. And I, I moved here not for work, not for 
um, my 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 studies, but for love, I moved here for love. Oh, and the best reason. <laughs> so then I, I was here, um, and I was start, I got a job teaching at the New York University in London, teaching essay writing and creative writing. Um, and I was wanted to start up again on my PhD, and I looked into various. Um, programs. And at the same time, I was writing poetry, I was publishing poetry here. Um, and I applied to the um, AHRC um, Techni funding. Are you familiar with this? I am. Yeah. Yes, I've worked with Techni. Amazing. Oh, you did. So it was, it was a very intense process because I um, you have to find a university that wants to work with you that's in the consortium. Yes. So I had interviews at various universities um, and I um, finally, Kingston wanted me. I found someone there at Kingston University who wanted to work with me. And um, we worked hard on the proposal and I didn't get it. I did not get the grant. And then that Kingston said to me, we think you're going to get it. We can help you again. <clears throat> you can be enrolled as a student here for a year, getting guidance from us to write this grant again. Um, and um, I did that. And then Amazing. I got the grant. And then I um, and then I started the process. And um, so that was it. And then I started um, at Kingston and it was a long it was quite a long process because I had a baby in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) And then COVID happened. So it ended. But then I, you know, I got through. So so that is kind of just the basic like bare bones story of. I love it. I love it. That is not a basic story. That is a that's a wild ride. That is, <laughs> um, and with all the best themes in it, right? Love and uh, rejection and birth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but actually, I want to just pick up on that that rejection moment because I think that's yeah. really worth knowing, mm-hmm. in terms of because this is very common that yeah. people put in for a grant, it gets rejected first time. Um, and you go back and you can resubmit and, and you know, a rejection is not the end of the story. And I, I, I love that that's part of your story in terms of go away, working on it. And yeah, then... it, didn't st- it didn't stop me somehow. Like, I, 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 remember I, I was disappointed, yeah. but I, I did feel that it was it was good. Like, I had a good idea. I, right. I just You both have to develop it and make it stronger, but also you have to figure out what did they want? You know, yes, yes, what yes. They're really looking for, you know, and they kind of work out some of the technical, you know, issues of, you know, it's not even about the exactly. I even had one supervisor tell me, just mention a couple of these scholars in your PhD and that will help. <laughs> and if you don't even have to use them later, they'll just, you know, like you to mention them. You know what I mean? Like that, that kind of thing. But I, no, it's strategic. It's, it's a strategic yes. document. Exactly. Absolutely. But I love that. That's a whole nother podcast episode there. Um, Rejection. Yeah. 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 Which maybe we maybe we should maybe we should do that. Um, right. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so so this is this is what we really wanted to get into today in terms of you being a writer and you already had a craft. You were a poet and, mm. and you know a professional writer, but mm. then coming into academic writing um and how the challenges of that um shift between your writing practice as it was and the writing practice that you were coming into so can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so that was a struggle for me that that was probably the biggest struggle I would say um for my PhD I mean besides babies and COVID and (laughs) um 
that the biggest struggle was um, figuring out how to be an academic writer. Yes, yes. Um, because I, and on the one hand, I do have a bit of an academic background. I, I majored in English. I had a master's in English. I have an MFA in poetry um, where I had to do a fair amount of writing. Um, I had, um, and I was doing the, the PhD at, at CUNY in, um, in New York. So it's not like I was, you know, unfamiliar with academia, but a PhD was as a different animal. Like yes, it really, yes, yes, yes. Um, it's a whole, it's really another level. It, it's not a master's. It's, it's something else. Like where you really are presenting something original that you have to really know is original and feel confident that it is. And, and, and kind of also it has to, you have to feel like I'm a part of a conversation that is talking about this and I have something to contribute yes. that is new to this conversation. Um, so you're kind of in a community of other scholars, you know, thinking about this idea. And I think I did, that's another level. Like the MA is not, it's not, that's not, you're not thinking about that on the same level. I, I did this, this it's not in my experience. Well, no, I love, I love that, and I love the way you've put that in terms of that that you are contributing to an ongoing academic conversation. That's really beautiful, and absolutely, and that is the difference, and that does trip people up. It's not kind of reporting on what's going on; is you're kind of actively engaging in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I really had to learn that, um, and that was totally new to me. Um, and the other thing that was hard for me was I was used to reading and writing essays. I, I would read a lot of essays by poets. So there's wonderful books of essays by poets about poetry. Um, I would read literary journals, poetry magazines about poetry. And I was very used to the, a certain type of writing. Um, there's wonderful essays by American poets like Jane Hirschfeld or Louise Glick. Um, got, you know, then great book, the University of Michigan Press puts out a series of essays and interviews with poets. And I, I read all this stuff for years. And, 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 and so the writing is, is often like, so if a poet's writing about um, poetry, they'll write about um, a Sappho poem and a T.S. Eliot poem in the same sentence. You know, they'll mm -hmm. bring, it's like, po they think of poets often, many poets think of poems as, as a kind of, a, uh, a, a like a group of friends <laughs> who write, you know, whether they're from you know medieval times or you know um, you know contemporary China, um, and so I, I really had to understand like how to ground myself in the context, like in, in historical context. Right. And I just thought, you know, th these I was I was just used to writing, and and, and the fact is writing for me was not the challenge. I liked writing. I could write about poems. I could I could write ten pages about one or two lines of poems, mm. literally, found an exaggeration. I could just really go into a poem. Mm. Um, that was good. And that helped me with my PhD. But that what that couldn't be everything. I, I had to kind of get the historical context and um, and really differentiate between different time periods and different cultures and different, and not just, um, you know, bring it all together into this like, like happy world of, of poets and poetry. Um, so... Hello. Well, I love what you were saying there in terms of grounding yourself and grounding yeah. yourself in context. And I just wonder, how did you do that? How how did you go about that? <laughs> it took a while. I had to learn. I mean, so I was doing would do all this writing, and my supervisor, you know, they would like what I was doing to an extent. And I think also I could see my supervisors trying to have to figure out what was wrong because I could tell something 
something was off, but there was the writing was, I think, pretty flowing and 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 clear, and the analysis of the poems was strong. Mm. But they had to kind of ex- explain to me like it's not enough just to be able to write well about poetry. You you have to really understand like who is writing when, why, um, and. Um, yeah, and put it yeah, put it in historical context. So, for instance, I write a lot about Emily Dickinson, um, you know, nineteenth-century American poet. She's yes. you know, central to my thesis, and um, and I, I really had to. I couldn't just write about her poems as if they were like kind of free, mm-hmm. um, you know, creatures kind of just hanging in the air. I had to mm-hmm. connect them to um, a place and a time and coming out of a certain a specific place in time. Um, so I had to read a lot. I mean, it, it comes down to also reading a lot of how people do it, how other people do right, that. Right, right. A lot of that. And, um, so yeah, so that was, and the, and it's not, it's a, we're, we're talking about historical context, but also the other thing was just learning this, this idea of you're in a conversation with other scholars. Um, and that is something I had to learn as well. I hadn't re- truly done that on, on this level before where um, I'm reading other scholars and I'm, we're in a conversation. It's not, I think I was used to the idea of maybe arguing against someone. Right, 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 right. Either against or for, either I would, you use someone to support what you're saying or you use someone to say, no, I don't agree with that. I, there's something more nuanced than that, that I had to yes. do. There's, there's, you know, there might be an, a, a, an article, some of it I agree with and some of it I don't. Or there might be something I don't agree with, but even the thing I don't agree with is helpful to me. That that was something I learned. Like, yes. it's like this is an interesting idea that is not um, really, doesn't really support what I'm saying, but it helps me to consider it to get to the next level, the next thought or the next, you know, it, it, yeah. So even the, un, the, the, the ideas that were, you know, not supporting my thesis helped me along in some way makes absolute sense and I think it's that sense of, of, of kind of critical engagement isn't it critical not as in um being uh trying to pull things apart but critical as in truly attending to what is going on in in uh what that other person is saying so that you're able to then um see how that fits with your understanding as you say and build that and this sense of of rigor in that rigor in in terms of contextualizing rigor in terms of attending to the material um which as you say is, is a kind of it, it, if it has it has a slightly different well not even slightly different actually can have a wildly different feel to um to a more kind of creative res- response not to say it isn't creative because I don't want to lose that sense of I, I think it can be incredibly creative to attend to something with great attention um but uh yeah I can I can understand the challenges there yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was very challenging so it took a while to learn to and learn. so and so did this did the writing then well this is a daft question isn't it did it did it look different at the end of course it did Emma <laughs> in what way in what way do you feel like you really that the, the kind of the, the the writing looked different at the at the end yeah um it did um yes and no I, I was able to maintain some of the kind of non-academic feel um but but then I did have to um yeah so but, it, but then it was more academic so it's not like those the poetry essays that I mentioned that I was used to 
reading. I had to really support and like back up everything I was saying. And and the more you're supporting and and also the the use of footnotes, it really made me appreciate like rigorous use of footnotes and bibliography because you really had to know exactly who said this, where they said it and look it up. And sometimes you would see, oh, I read, you know, I read an article somewhere where they quote someone. Then you look at the original and it's actually not exactly that they misquoted it slightly or um, or the, the, an italics wasn't there and that actually was important for your argument. You, know, you have to like really look at primary sources and um, in a way that you don't do when you're writing these other kinds of essays. When you when you appreciate an elegant footnote, then you know you are an academic. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh my gosh. Yes. And they are elegant and I made a big mistake and this is going to be Sorry, well, one of my top tips uh, um, I have to say now, which is just I didn't do the footnote system in advance. You know, some uh, you know, okay. people now they have a, in advance, they're constantly, well, as they're writing um, or taking notes, they're constantly putting, they're, they're using some program, you know, to. Yes, 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 um, yes. And, and that, if I did it again, I would definitely do that. But it's definitely I, a top know, tip. Yeah. yeah. So I spent um, months in the end, you know, working on my footnotes, um, but I made me uh, really appreciate the beauty of yes. so many details and to really get them right. Yes. Uh, I have to say my husband is an academic and he was able to, uh, he was, he's very into footnotes in this kind of thing. So <laughs> much more than I am. So he helped, he helped me to appreciate them. And he would say like, he would look over my thesis and he would say, but in this footnote, like the, the commas in italics, or he would say in this footnote, like, yeah, you need to include a semicolon there instead of a con, like, wow, like I never would have noticed these little things. But when you get it right, it looks good. It really yeah. uh, feels it's, it's important, this stuff. It's like, <laughs> yes, yes. It is, I say, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty. Um, so I, I, I just want to bring you back to this, 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 this kind of this, duality that you're that you were in in terms yes. of, of of being a poet and a writer and an, an academic writer and I, I wonder how you balance you balance those and blend and blended those um and indeed whether you felt it was a balance or a blend which which um so there, there were t- I think at a certain point I was writing so it's a practice-based PhD which means I'm writing a book of poems and a academic you know, thesis, you know, an academic essay, yes, yes, yes. one thesis, you know, one part is the poems and the other part is the academic essay. So um, I'm, I was always all the way through, um, I was writing poems and I have a poetry group I meet with once a week. And so that was great for this because I was like, it helped me to keep right. you know, to present at the, the poetry group. Um, but um, at a certain point, I realized I was very nervous about the academic thesis. I kind of felt more, I mean, I felt confident about myself as a poet. And I realized at a certain point, this, this is going to be a book of poems. It's going to be fine. I'm working on it. I know how to do that. Um, I, 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 so I just kind of took the pressure off of the poems and just felt like I have to figure out this, how to write this academic thing. And, and, I, and I, that became like a real focus in my thinking, especially towards the end when I was um, having to put it together. Um, mm. And so, um, yeah, so in terms of that that duality, like that became kind of my main goal was figuring out how to write this. And that and the thing I was thinking about the most that was challenging was how to structure it. Right. I, yes. I time to figure out really what is it going to look like? What each chapter like 
that I took, that took a lot of time to figure out. Um, and I had to think about it a lot. You know, even when I wasn't doing it, I found myself like before going to bed at night, not in this overly stressed way, but just thinking, okay, the second chapter can look like this. Then the third is kind of thinking it through. It just took a lot of that kind of thinking. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that, again, that's good for people to know that, um, that, the structure is something that you might play with for a while, you know. They're, they're, really do. Yeah. Yeah. And do, do you have any, because you've already given us one top tip. Now I'm going to get greedy. I wonder if you've got any tips, if you've got any tips around the structuring, especially if you are, if you, if you are a practice base. Um, yeah. PhD. Well, um, one thing is I didn't fully realize that I would be writing about my own poems. I think right. that was something that wasn't clear. I think at first I was, just, I was going to be writing about a, a subject. It's my, my poetry, my thesis is called The Poetics of Reticence. So it's, I'm writing about the idea of silences in poetry. Okay, so that's what my uh, academic thesis is about. And my poems um, reflect, you know, engage with that idea. Um, so um, in terms of the structure, um, I didn't realize that I'd be one that I one chapter would be about my own poems. I think I found that strange. I never had written about my own poems, right. um, and I just felt that was weird. But I had a great supervisor, um, the the poet Siobhan Campbell, who said to me, "A chapter has to be about your poems." <laughs> she just said it very clearly. Right, right. She did a, a practice based PhD herself, um, and she said that could be the last chapter of the thesis and. So it was. Um, I that's that's what it ended up. That's what I ended up doing, and um, so that helped. You know that like you know solved that problem where I know the last chapter will be that. Okay, fine. Right, right. Uh, and then I also then the next thing I did I had to figure out was do I want the literature review to be its own chapter, and I um, literature review meaning a review of the scholarship yes. of all my subjects. Yes. Yes. So um, that, so at first I was not going to do that. It intimidated me. The idea of spending a whole chapter on other scholars on the okay. subject, I was very intimidated by that idea. And I thought, I'm just going to, you know, write up my idea and I'll mention other scholars as I write. Yes. Um, and then I, I think I must've gotten more confident and, and realized I can just do a chapter on this. That's okay. Like, and then my um, supervisor, uh, Meg Jensen at Kingston University, um, she uh, encouraged me and supported that idea. And I had, so I did a chapter on the scholarship and that, and it, it, that was grounding because I saw it, it made me feel like that's, I think I felt more like an academic with that um, mm -hmm. chapter. I felt like here I am really looking at what is out there on this subject. What do I have to say about it? And then I had to, or, I had to organize that chapter. That, that took a while. Like, how do I organize? organize the literature review um mm. but in terms of advice about that um i just had to see what um you know what are the interesting categories for me around um the scholarship on this issue and then i organized it around like four different categories um and i said there were like four sections in the literature review um looking at my topic um and looking at the scholars who you know talk about you know, my top. So I kind of, so I had maybe two or three scholars in each category. So once I had that structure down, like I, then I could kind of be like, ah, oh, okay, I can breathe. And then I could, could put that together. 
um took a while though <laughs> I love that I love that and I do think it's it is a bit like you know sort of decorating a house or something isn't it in terms of where where things are going to go and they might the shirt furniture mm-hmm. might need to be shifted around a little bit and it's worth taking your time to get it just in the right spot um, and 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 as you say I think there are particular challenges then if you are where will you talk about your work where will the where will the practice be within that um, and I love that you've given a supervisor shout out because we love that here people who are people <laughs> who are helping others on their way <laughs> um, I'm aware of time this it goes so quickly on this podcast it goes so quickly um and you've already given us a couple of top tips I know um so I, I i always ask at the end for some top tips but we've already got them so i just wonder if there's any other thoughts that you would like to leave us with um uh i guess i guess uh the one thing that i helped me a lot in the end was to really um ground myself in knowing who i am like even though as i said i had to figure out how to be an academic how to write like this how to you know, like, all, you know, learn how to, you know, use footnotes and on that elegant high level and, yes. um, you know, con- contextualize um, what I'm writing about and um, engage with scholars in, in an academic way. Um, but at the same time, I am a poet and I had to use that as well. Um, and I'm, I'm an American poet. And so I had to be kind of clear with my identity. So while like feeling confident about being an academic and learning these academic skills and and kind of embracing them and feeling that's a part of me now, that's a part of who I am, not letting go of my other self, um, which is a poet and an American. And I could bring that um, to my thesis, both to the, the work and also to the Viva. And um, so actually what I did before the Viva, besides I spent weeks reading through my thesis and taking notes and preparing, but I also listened to and read um, interviews and podcasts with American poets because I felt like I got so deep into being an academic that I had to come out of that and get back into my original self, which which is an American poet. And that helped me finally feel like confident, like with both of myself. And so I kind of went into the Viva with, with both of that, um, those parts of myself. And it helped me to feel, you know, confident and connected to who I am as an academic and as a poet. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, I think it's that thing, isn't it? Ideally, the PhD means that you become more of yourself. You discover aspects of yourself. You expand yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, you don't want to lose chunks of yourself like this is a really important part of your identity and I, I love that you were able to bring both selves to your viva and clearly smash it so you are now doctored yes. <laughs> um eve thank you so much um for for your time and your generosity in in sharing your process with us um we're going to have your details in the show notes because i know you now support other people who um may be working particularly a practice-based poet who are doing who are doing um phd work now so that that will be in the in the show notes um thank you so much and congratulations again thank you thank you so much i really enjoyed speaking with you thank you and thank you all for listening 